Welcome back to the Don't Stop Me Now podcast, where being negative can be a good thing and being positive can turn the world against you. Hello, I am your HIV positive host, Ms. Jennifer Levon, and this is episode 77. Last week, I said without even realizing I did it, <laughs> I knew it was episode 76. I said 66. Like, it was nothing. Didn't even catch myself. It's so bizarre to hear myself back later and realize some of the mistakes that I made that I was completely unaware, you know, that I made the mistake. So that was one of them <laughs> that I had to fix. Um, and I'm not sure if you've heard about it or not, but California is full of rain and snow once again this week. Um, I saw a TikTok video of a girl up in Tahoe and it's like the first floor is completely snowed in. Um, the snow's all the way up to the balcony on the second floor. Like they don't even know where to shovel the snow. There's nowhere to put it because there's so much of it. It's like 12 feet high everywhere they like turn. It's terrifying. That would scare the crap out of me, honestly. I don't know what it is. Like snow is light and fluffy and it looks sweet and harmless, but I don't know when I see all that snow, I just feel like I would be suffocating. It just looks really scary for some reason. And then of course, if you were stuck somewhere and then you just freeze to death or something like that. But yeah, snow, there's something scary about it. Um, let's see. And yeah, where I live, we have water that's flowing over out of the Pajaro River, which is flooding, unfortunately, the town of Pajaro. Um, I don't know how bad it is at this point. It's sort of hard to tell. I know they're evacuating people out of the area. And I saw a picture, of course, them handing a dog over to somebody out of a, the back of a truck, which is just super upsetting. Like, I don't want to know, like, how many animals are, like, not getting help or are stuck in homes where there's water. I don't know if any of that's happening. But they always get me with the animals in the pictures. And, like, whose dog was that? Did that dog make it back home? Like, I can only imagine if Finn was being handed over to people that, you know, he didn't know any of them and I'm not there. I mean, just like dogs know their people. It's sad. It makes me so sad. There's so much shit in the world I just don't want to be aware of. Um, so that is happening at the moment. And then they keep talking about, I don't know if you guys are like, if you know about this, like I have never heard of this. I'm 52 years old and they keep referring to this in the news atmospheric river as if this is something that we've always talked about. I don't think we've just like shelter in place. When that came out, I, well, I've never heard of that before. Shelter and like we have to lock our doors and stay in our house. What? This what? Why did everybody act like they knew what that was? That was the most bizarre thing ever. And when that happened, I was in in and out Burger in uh, I can't remember the name of the town. It's off like Highway Five, or it was on the way to go to Dodge Ridge. And I was with my ex and that's when we found out like the, the message came through on our phones to shelter in place. And we were like on our way up to go snowboarding. And it was like this scary, like, oh my God, are, what is happening? Are we going to be in trouble if we keep going towards the snow? And we kept thinking, well, we're like going to be outside. It should be fine. But it felt weird. And also that he was going to need to go back to Canada. So we were really pushing it because it was just the beginning of the pandemic and I remember um, just feeling like we might get caught and we might get put in jail. Like, I don't know what they're going to do, but I mean, I really thought we might get in trouble. Owen really thought they were going to go door to door like the Nazis and like <laughs> see if everybody that should be in the house was in the house. I mean, it was a really weird 
time, as you all know. Um, but again, now we've got this new term, atmospheric river. So apparently it's like a river in the sky and it dumps on us now. It's not called rain anymore. It's fancy. It's called atmospheric river and it's something to fear. I don't know. I mean, it rained on Friday and they closed, I think, six of the schools in our district. One of them I was supposed to sub out. I do not understand. It's out in the middle of a, it's not near any kind of like water that would overflow at all, but their power does go out sometimes. It's out in Coralitos, which is kind of like farmland. It's uh, Bradley Elementary and they closed that school down on Friday along with the schools that are near the Pajaro River that could have potential flooding. But I know like there's some families that could be affected by too much rain but still, I don't know, like when I went to school when I was younger, if it rained, we went to school. We just we just went to school. There was no school closures. Like what's happening? So, I mean, some of it makes sense because of like the river overflowing. Like I get that it's not safe to be in the area. You can't drive in the area. But there are some schools that are like questionable. Like I'm not sure why they closed it. It's just rain. Like I'm sorry, but we're... Sometimes I think in California, we're just a bunch of pussies. Like, honestly, it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> just get in your car and drive safely and just get to where you need to go. I mean, it's rain. So, yeah, that's going on here at the moment. Um, I couldn't remember what it was called um, last week, the thing on my computer or the computer thing in that. I know this is so dumb that I even have to go back and tell anybody about this, but it bothers me. Um on the computer and the high school class where they were doing the news, they were trying to bring up a new extension. That was what it was, a plug-in, an extension or whatever for that computer to have um, access to the teleprompter. And that was weird to me that they didn't have that already set up that morning. Like they do the news in there every day. And I'm like, I don't know why they're all of a sudden needing to like search for an extension for the teleprompter. I was like, huh? We have like four minutes to go and you're doing this right now. That was bizarre to me. But yeah, an extension. Um, a funny little thing that I just jotted down in my notes um, that happens here at my house now that my daughters don't live here is that Owen and I share the same washer and dryer, obviously. And um, so I will throw his clothes in. I'll throw my clothes in. Sometimes, obviously, we separate the darks and the lights. And... My underwear, which is lacy and I wear G-strings, that's just what I always wear, um, tends to get stuck to freaking everything that is Owen's in the dryer. So when he takes his clothes out, he finds my underwear stuck to like his sweats, like the inside of sweatshirts and stuff. So what happens every single freaking time is I will find my underwear in the hallway on the floor. It is literally like he's shaming me. It's so embarrassing. I always try to intercept this whole like process just because I don't want to deal with the embarrassment of it all. But it's like I'll come out in the morning and there's like three pairs of my underwear in the hallway. And it's literally like he just takes them off his sweats or whatever it's stuck to and just throws them out his door. Like, like it's so disgusting that his mom's underwear are mixed with his clothes. I don't mean for that to happen, but it happens. And it's, yeah, it's awkward. <laughs> it's super awkward. Okay, if you're watching me on YouTube, you can see um, that I have a bananas sweatshirt on. It says established 1982. That is the year 
of the birth of Johnny Bananas. I love him. I know he's kind of a villain on MTV's The Challenge. I spent um, a whopping $87 for the sweatshirt, which I love. This It's a hoodie. Some people call these sweaters. It's a sweatshirt. My, my son and I get in an argument all this all, all the time. Sweaters? This is a sweater, if you're watching me on YouTube. This is a sweater. It's knitted. This is a sweatshirt. But my son insists that these are called sweaters. I don't know why. Anyways, cute hoodie. It was $87 with tax and shipping. I guess it was $70 without that. Um, but it was all worth it because um, I put it on my Instagram story. I took a bunch of pictures until I got one that I really liked. And... Um, I tagged Johnny Bananas because you know I have to. I mean, I've got to. Um, and because I've been watching this dude since I think he started 2006 on uh, MTV's with The Real World. And then, of course, he's been on like 21 challenges or something like that. He's on the current one, which is like uh, the World Challenge or something like that. They've got different countries playing. It looks like it's going to be really boring, but I don't care. He's on it. He's fun. He's got a great podcast. I love his podcast. He's really, really fun to listen to. Um, he's intelligent. He's funny. He has on all the guests from the challenge. It's on the reality TV network, I think is the name of it. It's got a hot pink uh, picture. And I think it just says reality TV. They, they run like several podcasts on that particular podcast network. And Johnny Bananas has his and it's called death taxes and bananas i should know what that means i was going to look that up i was thinking about that in my sleep the other night or i woke up briefly and thought about that i'm like that has to stand for something and i know you guys are all probably saying yeah of course it stands for this that and the other but i thought he sort of made it up and then i think no maybe it's like a popular thing that uh has been said over the years but he just threw bananas in death taxes and so i don't know i gotta look it up so anyways um yes i tagged him and I was, <laughs> of course, hoping he would put it because I took a lot of pictures. I was like trying to get one that looked good. And I thought I, I end up, ended up taking one that I thought was pretty decent. Um, and I thought he might put it on his Instagram story, of course, because it's his swag. He did not. But he saw it. And that's like all I care about. Like he looked at my picture. He saw my face. I don't know what else he looked at on my Instagram, but he saw it for at least a couple seconds. And that is so exciting to me. <laughs> it really is. Um, so yeah, I guess he was born in 1982. I am 12 years older than this guy. He's still killing it on the challenge. And I love his gray and his beard. It's so sexy. It's like Johnny Bananas is getting older. I love it. Um, oh, and I asked two guys from work where I work at this after school uh, program and there's, you know, like young people that, you know, are, they're not teachers, but they basically take care of the kids. So they're, I asked two of the guys that work there, like in our very early twenties, maybe even they're not even 20 yet. I said, do you guys even know what this reference is? Bananas. I'm holding my hair away from the YouTube people who can see it. Cause I'm showing my hair keeps covering the name of it. I said, do you know what this is? And he goes, isn't it like a, a baseball team? Uh, sorry, just hit the uh, mic with my pen. Uh, and I'm like, uh, no, I'm like, that's so funny. So you have no idea. I'm like, what about you, George? Do you know what banana stands for? And he goes, isn't that like a, a band? I'm like, no, it's Johnny Bananas. And it's funny because I used to always call Joey. Well, it was in her phone. I like literally referred to her on my phone. Like that was my profile for her. I called her Joey, Joey Bananas because obviously Johnny Bananas, Joey Bananas. It's cute. Okay. So another thing that happened this last week, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Housewives of New York City. I 
never watched that season. I watched the Orange County one. Uh, it was the first one. That's the only one I've ever seen. And I think I watched it like a few years, but I gave up. Um, so I've never seen any of the other ones. And maybe I did see... Oh my goodness. No, I did watch the New York one. It's coming to me. I'm remembering some of the faces, but it was a long time ago. So it's the more recent one. There's a Leah McSweeney. I don't know who she is, but apparently she's got a podcast called the Leah McSweeney show. And she says where I talk about whatever the fuck I want, <laughs> which is basically how I feel. And I was um, contacted by her producer, Joe. And of course they're out in New York. And he said, I'm a big fan of yours. I've been following you for a while. I'm a producer for this podcast and I just love what you're doing. I think you say it like it is. And I think it's great. I think you'd be awesome for the show. I mean, he definitely was like hamming me up and I'm like, uh, I'm liking that. I, he said, we want to bring you out to New York. Like we could cover two nights of a hotel. He didn't specifically say airfare, but I'm assuming that would be part of the package. And so I left him a voice message back, a voice text. And I just said, is this for real, for real? Like, really? You want me to come to New York and you're going to pay for it? Uh, yes, I will. I think I need to tell my thing up there a little bit. I said, yes, of course I would want to. Like, that's a no brainer. Of course I want to go to New York. So I, um, we went back and forth through voice text. Very fun. Very exciting to talk to him because he sounds like he's the real deal. And then he tagged her in some of my stuff so that she could see it. Neither of them follow me, which isn't surprising that she doesn't. But if he's such a fan, I'm kind of surprised he doesn't, but he doesn't. But anyways, um, he just said, if you can give me your email and then that way we can coordinate better with regards to like travel. And so a day went by, I didn't hear anything, and I'd given him my email, and he said, look, I'm so sorry, I'm totally on this, it's just really crazy, she's got, she's dropping, like, a new show or something on, in, like, March something, so he said this would be more like April, but he's like, just hang tight, I'm, you're, you're definitely, this is definitely happening, and um, I'll get back to you as soon as, like, I have other things ironed out, so, I mean, we shall see, like, is this really gonna happen, and then I'm like, well, why not just zoom me in? I'm like very surprised that they would want to bring me to New York. I'm just like shocked. So we'll just see. I mean, I'll, I'll keep you updated on that. But I mean, I like, I, I kind of can't believe it. It sounds too good to be true. Honestly, like I'm not that great. Like you're going to fly me out. Like wh I, again, why not just zoom me? Cause like you can zoom anybody. I just under, I don't understand flying somebody out, but hell, I would be honored. It would be amazing. I would love to go on her show and be there in person and go to New York. Are you kidding? Yes, I want to go. Um, okay. This is just a little side thing that I did this morning. Um, on Facebook, you know, you get suggestions on who you should be friends with, or have you thought about being friends with this person? So I got a suggestion for my high school crush, my like, Oh my God, did my heart hurt for him? Biggest crush ever besides Joe Elliott of Def Leppard was Jeff Antonchuk of uh, Sequoia High School. He was two years older than me. Um, I was a freshman. He was a junior. And then we had cooking class together and I could hardly breathe for a whole semester while I was in that class with him. Like we weren't at the same table. I, I don't know if I told that story about him. I did ask him to a dance and then, yeah, I think I did. And then he waited a day and then he said he couldn't because he's actually seen this other girl, which ended up being like a best friend of mine when I was younger who went to a different school and apparently they were dating. And then I found out about it and it was like, oh God, 
that sucks. You got the guy that I'm like, really like, of course, like it couldn't have been more like, are you kidding me? Cause Janine got everybody that she wanted. And then she somehow found the guy, the only guy at my high school. And she didn't even go to my high school and she found him and got him. It's like, she, it's like she knew, but she didn't know. Um, but anyways, so we didn't go on that date. And I continued to crush on him. It didn't matter uh, that he said no. It was, yeah, it was br totally heartbroken. Like that was one of those moments where I didn't know that life could be okay again after when he said no. I remember sitting between some bushes at Sequoia High School after school and like, like I could barely move. I remember like walking was hard. I was crying so hard. My friend Doris was concerned about me. Like I, like, I wasn't going to hurt myself, but I felt that bad. Like I felt so bad. I really, really liked him. And it took everything in me to even talk to him and walk down the hallway and ask him, ask him to a dance. Like, who am I? But I do that thing. I did that thing back then, like how small we are on this planet. There were kind of like nothing. Like I would do that whole thing in my head. Like I'm just this little tiny nothing on this planet. And if you don't do it, you'll never know. And so like, I just put myself in this like out of body experience out of body, outer body, which one is it? I don't know. But I put myself in that place and I just did it. And I, I couldn't believe, like I was talking and asking him and I couldn't believe I was even doing it. Like I couldn't believe it. Anyway, nothing ever happened with me and Jeff. And I did see him one time I drove by, I think I may, may have told this story too. I drove by somewhere near the high school. I was leaving. I was on my way out and I was driving at this point. So I was a junior cause I was driving Maybe I was on the bus. I must have been on the bus because no, he would have been out of school by then. Anyways, he was playing football with some guys. And I'd say Jeff was probably 5'11", 6 feet tall. He was a good, tall, solid, tall, 6 feet, 5'11". Oh, and he had like, he reminded me of Huey Lewis, like a younger version. Like there was something really sweet about his eyes. He has the puppy dog eyes. And he had a little bit of gray in the front of his hair. It was like some just genetic thing. And, but the rest of his hair was like kind of like light brown. So I thought the gray thing was really cute because, oh my God, it must be kind of embarrassing to have this gray hair growing out and like, there's nothing you can do about it. But I thought it was kind of cute anyways. And I, in general, thought he was cute. He was like a, he was like, liked by the popular guys in the parking lot. He was kind of one of those car guys, you know, in the parking lot. I don't know that he was that much of a stoner, although he might've kind of been, but he seemed like the nice one, like the sweet one out of the group. And that's why I honed in on him. And it was the puppy dog eyes. But anyways, we drive by on the bus and he's playing football with some of his friends and he has his shirt off. I will never forget that feeling of like, seeing him half naked. I died. I mean, he, I mean, he looked perfect. I just remember he looked, the jeans just hung on him perfectly. The 501s. Oh my God. My heart skipped a beat seeing his bare skin. I just remember being like, Oh, like I could, <laughs> I died. I probably cried all the way home knowing that I couldn't have him. Anyways, I just asked him to be my friend on Facebook <laughs> because Facebook suggested, suggested that Jeff and I be friends. Um, and it's funny. I feel like I've asked him before and he ignored it. Um, so I, un I took it away. I was like, I canceled it cause I got paranoid. Isn't that funny? Like all these years later, as if it, like it matters at all. And you know what? He's not my type anymore. I would say he's a little thick. So like, he's not really my type, but you know what? I have a fucking blue check. 
on Facebook now. So I'm like, Jeff, remember me? Well, yeah, <laughs> you ignored me. You rejected me. And guess what? I have a blue check now. So anyways, we'll see. We'll see if he friends me. It would be nice to, it would be so nice to tell him all of those things. It's so fun to relive those things and know that you can say it without any fear of like rejection because it's just cute little teenage stuff you know and he doesn't have to worry that I'm holding on to any of that stuff but I would I would love to tell him how much I crushed on him and how much it killed me when he said that he couldn't go to the dance oh it would be sweet okay um I had this little thought the other day and I always say that I feel like HIV should be called something else but what I don't think people realize is that when we say Sorry, I'm switching gears here. When we say we're HIV positive, that sounds contagious. We sound totally contagious. So if I go around saying, hi, I'm HIV positive, like I don't even like saying it anymore. I'm HIV positive because everybody thinks that you are full of HIV. There's no other way to really comprehend hearing I'm HIV positive other than thinking that that person has to have it. I mean, if you say you're HIV positive, you must have it like all over in your body because otherwise, why would you say you're HIV positive? There's the, well, I mean, you have to say because, because we still have it left in our CD4 cells, even though it's like, you know, not doing anything and it's laying dormant, but it's not in my free flowing blood. There's zero virus in my free flowing blood, which I've talked about so many times. So it's like, I, it's like, I want to say I was diagnosed with HIV in 2016. I was really sick. Um, I had AIDS, but I'm on treatment. I started taking medication and everything. And, um, and now I'm just undetectable. So like, I just want to call it undetectable. I don't want to say even I'm HIV positive. And this is, this is, this goes for like everything. Honestly, this goes for like new people that I meet, you know, uh, not love interest, but just anybody. It's like, I, I don't want anyone to pity me or feel that I'm, um, yeah, the pity thing is, I can't stand that. So it's like, I, I immediately have to like explain to people, look, I barely have this. I had a viral load of a half a million when I was diagnosed. It's zero now. It, it's, I'm not the same thing at all. What I was then to what I am now, or what even happened five weeks later from being on treatment. Like I'm, it's not the same. They're two totally different things and I can't transmit it. You know, it's like, so I just, I feel like that is so misleading to say we're HIV positive because we label ourselves immediately with all of the stigma that doesn't make any sense with our treatment today. Um, when I went to a urologist recently, um, you know, it's the first time I'd ever seen him. This is just because I get UTIs um, after sex sometimes. So we were trying to like figure out why this is happening and it's too long to get into. Oh yeah, yeah I told you guys that I he checked out my hoo-ha. Um, anyways, one of the questions, I don't think I talked about this, um, when he was going over all of my information prior to looking at my vajayjay, he said, um, and of course, like the nurse brought me in or the medical assistant and she goes through all of the prescriptions that you take. And she says, and what, and you're on, what is this Devato? <laughs> I'm always like, give it to me, ask me anything, you know, act like you don't know what I'm talking about or act like you don't know what that medication is and ask me. Like I, I dare ya. Like I'm always looking forward to them not knowing what Devato is. And I said, oh yeah, that's just, that's for HIV. Um, and she says, okay. And so like, and I just act like it's freaking nothing. And so then he comes in 
And of course he's seen my chart. I mean, hello. One of the things as he's typing in his notes, he goes, um, do you, uh, any autoimmune disorders? I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? And I'm thinking in my mind, I mean, is he thinking like lupus or what? And I'm like, uh, I mean, HIV, but like, I'm not, I'm not immunocompromised. And I start to like, kind of say something and he goes, oh yeah, no, 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 no. I said, yeah, I'm undetectable. So like, I was about to go into that because I get defensive right away. Like, don't label me as immunocompromised or anything like that. It bothers the shit out of me. And I thought, oh my God, am I going to have to like school this urologist? But he stopped me. <laughs> I think he got like, he felt me about to explain away that I'm not immunocompromised as being undetectable. And without that was the end of it. We didn't talk about it anymore. But I just thought it was funny that he kind of danced around you know, um, any autoimmune disorders? Um, fuck yes. HIV. I mean, it's all over my chart. <laughs> like, do you just want me to say it? Or I don't know. Not sure why you had to ask me that. But anyways, that was that. I forgot to mention that the last time I talked about the urologist. And I, it's funny. I did have a flare up, whatever it is, um, painful inside my urethra pain. It feels like a bladder infection from the past. I did not, he, what he wants me to do is not to take an antibiotic because it's apparently that skews the test, the, the P test. Don't take the antibiotic. Just sorry, you're going to be uncomfortable for a day. Once you can get in to leave a urinalysis, that's peeing in a cup for those that don't know. Once you were able to come and leave that, then I'll know more of what's going on. Cause in the past, I've always taken an antibiotic. The second I start to feel the uncomfortable pain, so I was like, okay, I like it started as soon as I got to my after school job. I'm like, every time I bend down, I'm just like, I've got like goosebumps on my back because it hurts deep inside. It burns. Like it's, a, a guy won't know this. The guys don't get these. Um, women that have had these, you know what I'm talking about. It's just anything you do doesn't feel good because it's like every time you move, it's affecting inside and it hurts. And so all you want to do is just go home and get in the bath. So I did. I got home. Well, first of all, I sat on the toilet in a relaxed position for like 20 minutes. Relaxed meaning like uh, you're relaxed enough that pee will just keep dripping out of you. Does that make sense? Like you could do the same thing in the bathtub. You cannot do that with clothes on. Your body won't do it. You can't. I tried to pee in a bathing suit in the sand at the beach. Like I dug a hole and sat in the hole and tried to like like not be obvious about it and just pee right through my bathing suit because I didn't want to walk in front of everybody down to the water and pee. And I couldn't do it. I couldn't make the pee come out. I tried so hard. I pushed and pushed. I was like, I, what is going on? And it's because like mentally I had this mental block because the material's there and I could not pee through the material. Couldn't do it. So anyways, um, basically sat on the toilet for like 20 minutes, looked at TikTok and it started to get better. And I have to say I was in pain for three hours leading up to this. It went away. I don't even know. I was going to go the next morning to go pee in a cup, but it went away. Like, so I, maybe it's not a bladder infection. Like, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know what it is. So maybe all these times I was taking an antibiotic for a day or two, I really didn't need to. So I don't, I don't know. I really don't know what it is. Um, let's see. Somebody had written to me and they say, why do you say, why do they say that vaginal fluids are contagious? Like, why do they always include that in all the fluids that are contagious with regards to HIV? So it's obviously blood, semen, vaginal fluids, whatever, and um, breast milk. And I said, well, it's like a medication. They're going to list all of the side effects, you know, irregardless of how, how 
common they are or how rare they are or whatever, they will list them all. So if even only one person has this incredibly rare side effect from the medication, they have to list it. They have to. Um, and they will probably even mention it in their commercials. You guys know the commercials where they're listing all these god-awful things that could happen if you take this particular medication or any medication. Well, I, that's the same thing for the transmission of HIV. They have to include it, even though it's incredibly rare, um, they still have to include it. And so, yeah, that's why it's there. And I think it's also partly just politically correct. I really do. I feel like they're just covering their asses because I'm sorry, you know, you know how I feel about this topic. Okay. Um, let's see YouTube comments. This is from Claudia. I can't, it's darker in here than I thought. Uh, this is in regards to the lady who had the review that I read, which was so funny. Um, and I'm so glad I read it because I got really good feedback from from people, this lady, Claudia, um, 5809, she says, laugh out loud, that 3.5 star review was hilarious, suggesting to hold back your opinion on men, etc., and be less judgmental. The reason, she says in big letters, I love your podcast, is because you are so interesting in describing the little reasons why a man might be off-putting, etc. It's like a Seinfeld episode that makes a podcast fascinating, she says. No one would listen to a podcast if they hold back and stay safe. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much, Claudia. My brother wrote to me and he just sent me this, which I thought was really funny. Get the fuck out of here. Nobody wants you here. If you don't like it, Leave. <laughs> that was that was in response to that woman <laughs> and that's some podcaster jeff somebody um anyways that was funny uh and then let's see abigail h7715 said so happy you dismissed the commenter advising you to change everything about your podcast, including your personality and how you think and speak. And you're the judgmental one. People are so weird. Glad you are going to stay as you are. I love the details. Big nose, good bod, etc. They wanted you to tone it down and be boring. Stay superficial, laugh out loud and <laughs> wonderful. I will. I'll stay super superficial. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that was really um, nice to hear that, that people like me just the way I am, even though that woman seemed to have a problem <laughs> with the way I did my podcasting. Again, yeah, you don't have to listen. Just like no one's making you listen to me. Um, coffee. Melanie, uh, Melanie S8473 says, uh, this is about the coffees that people buy me. She says, to be honest, I've always thought that the buy me a coffee tipping app was not literally for coffee, but the amount similar to what someone would pay for a coffee, sort of like for the price of a coffee, Starbucks or not. You can leave a tip for the content you are enjoying and getting for free. I Maybe that's what Linktree intended. And I just totally misread it. I thought I had to buy coffee with it. <laughs> I really did. So she says, maybe I've misinterpreted the app's intention, but I never thought it was actually for coffee. I definitely love your content and look forward to all your podcasts. I usually get the newest episode when I wake up. So it's always a nice surprise to start my day. And you will get this tomorrow morning, Monday morning when you wake up. Um, and I want to thank Lorena Mafra for a gift times three, which means that she gave me three gifts of $5 each. So thank you, Lorena. And um, 
yeah, I, I'm not really, I'm really not good about going and getting coffee. I've, I've realized it's actually like stressful for me. So, and they don't even make what I like. I really like making my own coffee and the coffee maker. So again, I'm going to keep uh, buying my K cups and doing it at homes. But yeah, if you want to tip me in, I guess, quote unquote, coffee money, I mean, hell, I'll take it. Thank you so much. And people have been really nice. I've been getting nice little coffee tips and I really appreciate it. Um, grammar Nazi corner. Some people liked, oh yeah, this was from Rebecca. Hold on. I want to get the name right. Rebecca and sorry. Oh, that's the same last name as the guy from, um, the public or gosh, what's that show? You know, Aziz and sorry, I can't think of the show right now, but yeah, I have the comedian. Anyways, eight, nine, three, four. She says, great video. I'm cracking up listening to the ex-husband edition of Grammar Nazi. I have a tough, I have a rough day ahead and this video is definitely helping. I'm glad that makes me happy. Um, <laughs> so I don't really have much this week other than the fact that I watched the Murdoch, um, documentary on Netflix. I wasn't going to watch it because I thought, oh, I've already heard enough of this through like podcasts, but I'm really glad I watched it because I got to see the faces of everybody. Like, honestly, it's weird. I thought her boyfriend was a black guy. Um, Mallory, the one who died on the boat. I, like I, I've heard his voice because you can hear him screaming when she gets knocked out of the boat and she's screaming at Paul Murdoch, who, um, was driving the boat and he says, you know, you killed my boy, my girlfriend, bro. And I don't know why I thought he was black, but that's beside the point. Anyways, the name Murd, okay. It's M-E-R-D-A-U-G-H. I'd say Murda, right? I'd say Murda, Murdo, but they keep calling them Murdoch. They keep, and I, and you know who's doing it? The people that are being interviewed that knew Paul, like Paul's friends, the other family, families that are like the mothers and fathers of those kids that were on the boat, they all refer to them as the Murdochs with like, it's like an O-C-K-S. I don't get that. Then the news reporters refer to them as Murdo, Murdoch, Murdoch. I hear it. I listen carefully, carefully. They're not saying Murdoch, but the people that know them best who live in the town with them, who are associated with this whole boat accident, they call them Murdoch the Murdochs. I heard it. I listened very carefully. The other thing that drives me crazy is the dad, Alex. Okay. It's written everywhere. A-L-E-X. But everybody refers to him as Alec. What? When did an X start sounding like a C? And even when people say Alec on the TV screen, like the closed captioning, it says A-L-E-X. Why is the closed captioning not getting it. They, they're even spelling it wrong for the way that they're saying it. So the whole, the whole name, Alec Murdoch is messed up to me, the whole freaking name, which is fine. Cause he's going away forever. So that whole thing was, by the way, oof, those boys are and the name Buster. Like what? The, the, the whole family's unattractive. I'm sorry. I'm not into redhead guys. I'm sorry if you're a redheaded guy, but these guys were flaming redheads, like bright red hair. Ooh, that's rough. And my daughter's like redheads. I am not into redheads. It just in general, they, there could be a good looking redheaded guy. Eric, um, he was in Pulp Fiction. Eric, you know who I'm talking about. He was a good looking redhead guy. Hold on. Let's look it up. Pulp 
Fiction, and he was in one of my favorite movies with Eric Stoltz. Mm. Eric Stoltz, what's he look like now? Oh, he looks like Michael J. Fox. <laughs> Everybody's getting old. <laughs> it sucks. Um, yeah, he was in some kind of wonderful. That movie has a kissing scene oh, with the tomboy girl and she's on the car. She's like, show me how to kiss right or whatever. Like she's wanting to pretend like how to like kiss right. So she uses him as like something to kiss on because, uh, oh, because he's going to have to know how to kiss this popular girl if he gets to get her on a date. So his tomboy friend says, well, here, kiss me, practice on me. Like she's like, but I don't even care. And they start kissing and like all of a sudden, oh my God, I'll never forget it. His hand grips the side. She's sitting on the car. He's standing in between her legs. His hand grips the side of her jean shorts, like just all of a sudden grabs them. Like, because this is what happens when passion happens. It's so exciting. And she wraps her feet around his back. Like she's on, she's not expecting like this whole moment either. That scene messed me up, man. I'll, I'll never forget it. It's the best. It's the best. Anyways, boy, did I go off on a tangent there. Um, Eric Stoltz, Pulp Fiction. Reel it back in, Jennifer. Where were you? Um, I don't even know what I was talking about. Uh, hold on. Pulp Fiction, Eric Stoltz. Oh my God. I literally forgot what I was talking about. Can I remember? Maybe I have to go back to this page. Oh, I really don't know what I was talking about. Oh my God. It might come back to me. Murdoch, Alex. Shit. I lost my train of thought completely. Sorry. I usually can reel it back in and I know what I was talking about, but that I'm just like lost it. Anyways, must have not been that important. Um, okay. My situation ship update. Um, again, it's kind of like up in the air right now. I really don't know what's happening to be honest, but I will say that, uh, I earlier in the week I did hang out with him. And, um, if you know what somp means, do you guys know this term, somf? Um, it means, and I knew this from college, sit on my face. So that happened. And I do not feel comfortable doing that. <laughs> I never have at all. Like, I do not know what girl feels comfortable straddling a guy's mouth with her parts. Like, I, I feel like a dude shoving my, you know, into his mouth. It just feels awkward. And I know like dudes love this. They do. The dudes freaking love it, but it feels really awkward for girls. So I did ask girls on my Instagram and my close friends, like, is there anybody who likes this? Like, is there any girl that's really going to like finish? I'm like, there's too many other things going on that I'm super like aware of, like him looking straight up at me. What's the rest of my body doing? Like, I cannot I can't, I can't, it's not going to happen. Like I'm not going to be able to relax enough for anything to really happen. So I just do it to like, uh, for him basically. I mean, it's just a show cause I, it will do nothing. It will do nothing for me. Nothing. So yeah, most girls, no, literally every girl that wrote to me was like, no effing way. I want to lay there like a starfish and do nothing. Like <laughs> exactly. Like I can't concentrate unless like, I'm on my back, maybe even a pillow over my face. I just don't want, I need to focus. Eyes are closed. I am not watching anything. Like, I just don't want to know what's happening, truly. I need to go into my little world of fantasies and then, yeah. So, 
<laughs> yeah, Somf, no for me, thank you. Um, okay, uh, the man who I had seen briefly in 2021, who had been out of a long-term marriage, and I don't know, we dated briefly, I guess. I don't know. We went on like four or five dates and then we did have an intimate night and then like everything kind of came to a crashing halt because the ex-wife got wind of it or whatever. I don't know, but he wasn't even with her. They didn't even live together, but he felt guilty regardless. So that ended. But as I said, he came back to me and asked me to go to Portland with him, like out of nowhere and um, to go to the Bruce Springsteen concert. Then it didn't happen because the tickets, um, you know, it didn't work out because he couldn't put the tickets in my name or the ticket in my name. So we just, you know, whatever. So my girlfriend said, and I said, he hasn't said anything since. And she goes, oh, he will. That would be so weird if he doesn't say anything because he's obviously single. I'm like, right? So he hasn't said nothing. It's been, I think it's been three weeks since he asked me or two, for sure, at least two. Um, he has said nothing to me. And then he shows up on my Bumble. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, hello. Showed up there like days later. So what I think is, is something ended with this woman. He obviously got stood up and he wasn't going to be able to take this trip. I was like an easy, like, it was easy to ask me because he knew we already have like this, you know, established relationship, even though it happened over a year ago. Um, we have tried to hook up and go to a concert together. So like there, that had already happened, but then he got COVID and couldn't go. So we haven't seen each other, but, um, um, I mean, we, he did give me a hug at work one day when I worked at a school, he came in and gave me a hug and he was trying to be nice. It's fine. So anyways, haven't, ha haven't heard a word from him, but then he shows up on my Bumble and I'm like, okay, so here's the thing with Bumble. If you go left and they have already swiped right on you, it will say that you've missed a match. And I just didn't have it in me to go right because I'm like, he has my phone number. Like, I'm not going to look desperate, you know. So I go left. It says nothing. It says nothing. And I know he's not a new member. I think he just opened his account back up again because I've been on Bumble for like a good two months and he has not been on here. So he clearly just opened his account back up. But anyways, he did not select me which is just like, all right, it's fine. There's a reason we're not hanging out. I think it's just, it's totally fine. Um, okay. Moving on. I had talked about somebody that I had met on Tinder who turned out to be HIV positive, uh, got a little bit of an update. He got a CD4 back and he said it was around 640, but he was still waiting for his viral load. So I guess he truly does have it. Somebody wrote to me and said that they absolutely do start you on treatment before you get your genealogy done for your medication, which is not what I've ever been told. But uh, I mean, hell, maybe some places do it differently. My doctor was like, saying that the doctor that saw me who was an infectious disease doctor did it completely wrong. He should have never put me on a tripla. I had an AIDS diagnosis that he was unaware of, I could have ended up with iris, which is that immune reconstitutional something syndrome where you get even more sick. So she was like, he really messed up. We needed to do your um, genetic testing to find out the strain of your virus, to find out what you're susceptible to and and, um, and what you're sensitive to. And like I said, I was sensitive to like nearly every drug that was available, meaning that they would all work for me. So, but you don't always know that. And you don't want to put somebody on something that they're resistant to. And then uh, uh, it could affect other medications that they could have been sensitive to. That was what my doctor told me that that would be the, the 
problem with starting medication without knowing that information. But somebody wrote to me who seemed to know, and she said, nope, you can start somebody on medication immediately. I mean, I don't know what every doctor is doing. I know they are. The protocol is to start people right away as soon as you are diagnosed. But like, I still think there's like, they can give it a week or two to figure out like exactly what medication would work best. Anyways, yeah, he said he's on Victarvi. I haven't really reached out to him since. So, uh, you know, sounds like he's doing well. And if there was more he needed to talk to me about, I guess he would, but I haven't heard anything. Um, so I, I still have not disclosed to this person that I've hung out with. And, um, and I've been talking about disclosure. Uh, I talked about it on my last podcast and, um, Oh, before I get into that, I did want to say that there are four studies for U equals U, undetectable equals untransmittable. HPTN052 was the first one. So if you look up HPTN uh, on the internet, it means HIV Prevention Trials Network. So the 052 was the first one that was done, and it was done between hetero couples. I do not know why. So I'm thinking, okay, are these all... Okay, I can understand the importance of seeing if the woman got it from the man, but the the odds of a woman giving it to a man at all, like, come on, like that, they had to know that. So, but anyways, I thought, what a waste of a study. But apparently, uh, there, I, as I looked further into it, it looked like they were doing it between uh, couples that were of the same gender, meaning men. Um, so, interestingly enough, when you look up HPTN, uh, HIV Prevention Trials Network on the internet, this is their background and mission. The mission of the HIV Prevention Trials Network, HPTN, is to prevent HIV in priority populations, including cisgender women, that's me, adolescents and young people, that's not clear who that is as far as gender, cisgender men who have sex with men, transgender people, and people who use substances at sites located in Asia, Europe, Sub-Saharan Africa, South America, and the United States. They're talking about um, in, in vitro, hello, um, injection drug use. Was there a mention of hetero men there? No, there wasn't. Because they know. They know that women aren't giving this to men. But they won't outright like say it. It takes me to be obnoxious about it because no one else wants to just like blurt it out there but you, you they don't say anything about hetero men so anyways these studies there was four studies there's the hptn 052 there was two partner studies the most recent that came out i want to say was like 2017 and that was all of the male couples that there was no transmissions and i remember when that came out it was very exciting for the gay community because they were like finally the results have come out and there was no transmissions and then we just moved. i mean those those results came out like I believe when I was in Orlando, Florida in 2018, like the results of, I mean, they already had three studies that were done, but the fourth one came out way after the fact, after we started talking about U equals U, but it was the same results that there's no transmissions. So um, I wanted to read this from The Lancet, which is the most highly respected medical journal, journal amongst scientists and medical professionals. If you've I mean, I think most people, unless you're living under a rock, know about the Lancet. U equals U is in the Lancet. So for all of the naysayers that say 
that I don't believe science, I don't believe the CDC, you know, anything can happen. This is just people that just don't know anything about the science and everything behind it. But this is what it says on The Lancet. Um, this came out in, it says, U equals U taking off in 2017. The fact that people infected with HIV who are virally suppressed cannot sexually transmit the virus to others is now accepted in the HIV AIDS community as a result of accumulating evidence since the early 2000s. In early 2016, which is so freaking weird, because that's when I was diagnosed, February 2016. The U equals U, I mean, it really did happen at the same time that I was diagnosed. The undetectable equals untransmittable U equals U slogan was launched by the Prevention Access Campaign to promote the finding. The campaign has been rapidly gathering momentum, having been endorsed by more than 400 organizations. So when this was written in 2017, it was 400 organizations. It's now 1,100 organizations. From 60 different countries, it is now 105 different countries since its launch. Last month, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, joined the movement by endorsing the science in a letter released, I know I'm getting like emotional, on National Gay Men's HIV AIDS Awareness Day. Okay, so that's just kind of, that's the beginning of the article in the Lancet, which is highly regarded by every medical professional. Like we're in the Lancet. Okay. Like just people need to understand that this is really the truth. Um, so again, why I'm glad that I have not disclosed to this person. These are things that I meant to say last time, but I didn't. So, um, these are things that can happen. These are issues that arise once you share your status with somebody that you might want to be intimate with that you may not end up being intimate with, but now they have your medical information, uh, medical information that for most is incredibly private and they don't want anyone to know about it. So you understand the gamble in sharing this with somebody. It's terrifying for most people. Um, people smearing your private info on social media amongst family, friends, gossip. Um, so that was one of the items that I talked about last time, social media. I mean, anybody can start sharing that information on social media. Good luck getting a lawyer and having some repercussions in regards to that probably will never happen, but it does happen. People do get that information. Once someone knows that someone has HIV, if they're really nasty they can take that and really run you through town with it. And I've been contacted by so many people who have said, I don't know what to do. I share this with somebody and they're smearing my name all over town. They're making it sound like I'm not a fit mother. They're, you know, like all of this, it's, it's horrendous. So while people are like on the other end of it who don't have HIV and feel that we're morally obligated to share this information, they don't understand the impact it has on those who are actually HIV positive. Um, sharing your diagnosis can be used to control someone in a relationship, basically telling someone that no one will ever want you, your damaged goods. Um, that plays into people's psyche for sure. Um, I, my partner didn't do that to me, but I definitely thought that like, would anybody else ever want me again? you know, knowing they're just going to see me as HIV. So do I really, uh, will I get anywhere with this? I, obviously, if you followed me, you know that I've been able to um, successfully get what I want when I want it, but also feeling more so recently that I don't feel like sharing it because I'm just over it. I'm tired of like 
going, oh, by the way, I need to share this thing that actually will never affect you, but you're going to think it's this big, huge deal. And now you're going to look at me totally differently. So yeah, let's go for it. Let me tell you all about this. Like, it's just ridiculous. I just, yeah. So I'm still sticking strong with my not sharing. Um, it can lead to abuse sharing your HIV status. Um, people view people with HIV differently and they feel like they're less than. So you can imagine a woman or a transgender female being in a situation where someone knows that they're positive and they don't want anyone to know their status. Um, and you're in an abusive relationship. They can use that information, hold it over you in any way they want. And they can also physically abuse you, um, emotionally, psychologically, all of those. Um, Fear of incarceration is another one, of course. Like, who wants to go to jail for this? Like, I don't, I don't, I didn't want this. I didn't go out seeking, like, I wasn't robbing banks and now I'm in trouble. Like, I was just having sex like everybody else. And now I have something that I have to fear that I could end up in jail, in jail for not telling somebody that they can't get something from me. It's, it's really scary, honestly. And I know when I do lives and people write in all caps at me, you have to tell him my heart races. And it really does. Like, I'm like, oh my God, like, I'm like, am I doing something wrong? I know I'm not because I know I haven't affected them at all. Like there's no, it's impossible, but people try to scare me and literally get mad at me and yell at me through their text which is upsetting because they don't clearly understand the science. And they said, morally, you have to, morally, you have to. I said, but I don't, it's my private information. And then people will say, well, you're public about it. Why would you even like hold this back if you're public about it? I'm like, well, being public about it is very different than somebody who's being private with me and intimate there. Those are two totally different things. So yeah, it's easy to talk about publicly, but when it's a one-on-one -on -one private, intimate thing. It's very, very different. Um, and of course you're talking about the one thing that you want to do together. And that's how you got that thing was from doing that. That's how I got HIV from having sex. But, uh, and, and then when you like try to tell somebody about that, but you're telling them that you can't get it, you know, it would be hard to wrap your, your brain around it. Unless like you really did your research and found everything on the internet it takes a lot to turn that stigma around and feel safe thinking you're putting your body at risk when you're not, you're just not. Um, stigma can lead to murder and it has people have been killed for being HIV positive. 100%. Nothing else. People don't like people that have HIV. They think we're bad people and they think that we did something bad to get this. And that um, we're better off being somewhere else, not on this earth. So yes, people have definitely been killed for being HIV positive. And I know people will say, oh, what's the big deal? You're just going to be rejected. Well, it sounds really simple, rejection. But truly, I know people who have been rejected over and over and over and over because they've shared their status. Can you imagine that if they didn't have to share that life could be very different for them, but because they feel like they have to share it from, you know, wherever they live or however they feel about it. And they keep, keep getting rejected because of it. That's all people can see. And they, they can't get past the fact that somebody has this, but they can't transmit it. Um, I see this a lot that people feel like giving up 
And you can imagine everybody deserves love. Everybody deserves to have intimate relationships if they want them. Oh, I'm like, what is that noise? Is the ice cream truck. So weird the ice cream man comes when it's raining, but he does. Um, but it does lead to isolation. It leads to mental health issues. Um, sharing your diagnosis and being rejected because of it over and over. And people ask me all the time. Um, oh, and it can lead to suicide, of course. It can lead to uh, any kind of suicide, including stopping your medication and dying from AIDS. Like that's also um, relevant in this discussion. Um, my mind went somewhere else because of the ice cream man. Um, and then of course it wasn't directly talking about my HIV diagnosis, but for sure my ex making videos about, you know, you equals you not being completely true and basically using my, yeah, my diagnosis against me to try. I mean, he never said my name, but for sure, like, why else would he make those videos? Like, why is he even talking about HIV? Like, dude, move on. Like, you're not in the world of HIV at all. Why are you making videos about women having HIV? Like, it doesn't, it didn't make any sense. And it was totally done. So he used my diagnosis, um, and everything he learned while he was with me turned the whole flip the whole thing and made a YouTube video to discredit everything that I do, which again, that's stigma. He used stigma and my diagnosis to try to hurt me. Um, again, it's my private health information period. Um, I want to know why people are protecting those who don't test and those who don't know what their status is. <laughs> and these are the people that we need to be concerned about, not me. <laughs> I am the one taking care of myself, whether they know it or not. Um, it will never affect them. And um, I wanted to read this. Oh, this is from the HIVLawAndPolicy.org. It says, disclosing one's HIV status is still widely perceived as socially dangerous. Similarly, Another great risk people living with HIV face is the inadvertent or improper disclosure of their status, which can result in denial of employment, violence, and many other collateral consequences. Um, this is an article from The Well Project. It's basically for women and trans women, um, who, well, people, people who identify as women who are HIV positive, The Well Project. Um, this was an article that I took from there that I thought was worth sharing. Sharing your HIV status ought to be a personal choice in every case. However, in the case of sexual relationships, it can be a legal requirement. Whether or not a partner requires HIV or, and whether or not prevention methods were used or the person living with HIV meant no harm, they may face criminal charges if a partner accuses them of not disclosing their HIV status in a sexual relationship. Most states in the United States, California is not one, have laws requiring people living with HIV who know their HIV status to disclose before, quote unquote, exposing someone else to HIV. I'm not exposing anybody. Uh, what counts as an exposure, quote unquote again, varies and may not account for current scientific evidence. Penalties vary from state to state. In many states, you can be found guilty of a felony, that's a serious crime, if a sexual partner brings charges against you for not telling them that you are living with HIV before you had intimate contact with them. Many other countries also have 
laws on HIV disclosure. I do find that most countries are like you all take care of your own sexual health and that you do not have to share your status. That is up to everybody to take care of themselves. If you don't want syphilis, wear a condom. If you don't want HIV, wear a condom, go on PrEP. Um, but I find that other countries are way more accepting of non-disclosure. Continuing, these laws are unfair for many reasons. For one thing, it is difficult to prove disclosure. So you can imagine that maybe I told somebody that I had HIV, we had sex, and they decided for whatever reason, I didn't want to see them anymore, I wasn't into them, and they decided to get a lawyer and say, she never told me. And I don't have any proof of it because I talked about it. I told him verbally, you know, like I don't have any way of proving that I said that to them. Um, and many people living with HIV, particularly women, have been taken to court by partners who claim they did not disclose when they say they did. The woman said they did. For another, a person may have not intended any harm, and yet their punishment, if convicted, is much worse than the harm done to the complainant person bringing the charges, including no transmission. So people are incarcerated. I've talked about this before where they did not even transmit to the complaint, complainant. Uh, that's a weird word to say, complainant. Um, the person who are bringing the charges. And that person is in jail. <laughs> they didn't give them HIV and they're in jail. So you can understand how the laws are so antiquated today with the science that is there, with the medication that's available. Like it, the laws need to change because the more that they continue to make HIV a crime, the more people won't test, the more the virus will continue to spread. You have to take the crime element away from it to keep people, you know, testing and knowing their status and staying safer because most people that are transmitting it are people that don't even know they have it. Um, I guess that was it for me for the week. I want to see where I'm at with time. I always try to make these an hour. Oh, I went an, an hour too. Perfect, perfect. Okay, guys, um, I do want to thank those on TikTok who I did a live this morning who told me that they're obsessed with my podcast. Thank you. It's so nice. Um, I'm like, who am I? <laughs> How do I have a podcast that people are obsessed about? That makes me so happy. Okay, guys, I hope you have a great week. And um, I will catch you on the flip side this coming Sunday. It is daylight savings. Enjoy that little bit of extra sun at the end of the day. And uh, we will see you next time. I'm out. Love you guys. Bye. If you'd like to be notified for any of my upcoming podcasts, be sure to subscribe. If you'd like to help this girl out, then please rate, review, and share my show. Thanks, guys.